Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. everyone and welcome back to Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong. It's your girl Jacqueline back yet again with my favorite person around this time of year, Mr. Mark Ellis. <laughs> well, I used to be your favorite person around this time of year. I I committed a, a transgression against Jacqueline that I felt like we should open the show with just to just to get the air out there and, and I'm and very curious. I'm by the way y'all, he teased me with this, been on pins and needles. So, Mark, tell the tale. So I was in New York um, the last five days doing a lot of different jobs and shows. Uh, Joel Mears, our beloved former editor-in-chief of yes. Rotten Tomatoes. We, I got to host the, the final panel that he was on as that title at Rotten Tomatoes. And we had a great time talking about the upcoming book, The Binge Guide, The Ultimate Guide to Television. And Joel came to one of my stand-up shows. We had a great time palling around. And so we're having a great week. And then I decided to go to a bar with a bunch of my friends on Sunday to watch football. It's a Chicago bar, Jacqueline. And this is where I'm going with this, is that Jacqueline's a big Packers fan. I was among Chicagoans watching the Bears, and they got a win over the Raiders. And so the way you celebrate a Bears win is there's this awful liquor that is based in Chicago called Malort and everybody does a free Malort shot. And so I did a Malort shot and I was a Chicago bear fan for about five minutes towards the end of that game. So I apologize and I hope this doesn't affect the rest of the show today because we have a great guest and a really fun series of movies to talk about. I mean, Mark, you're Washington football team. Yes. And we are aligned for our hatred of the Cowboys. And yes. so we always have that. It does feel a little bit like you slept with my ex-boyfriend, not with my boyfriend. <laughs> like if you were like in front of me cheering for the Bears, there would be right. a problem. And I, but, and, and I would have I would have never done this. This was done on the sly. It yeah. was just it was the cheap hotel room of bars. <laughs> and we, we don't ever have to talk about it again. But I just wanted to let you know, I still support you and your cheesehead wearing brethren. Hey, and we had a great game on Sunday. I would have rather had a boring win, but as Texas (laughs) lost to OU, I will take any W's that come on uh, this past weekend. And yes, folks, you just came into Rotten Tomatoes' ESPN, but we're going to switch it up and get into (laughs) Halloween pretty quickly here because it is Halloween time and Halloween Kills is now in theaters. And our guest this week is here to talk about it along with the Halloween franchise, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to break down all of the films, all the timelines and the various craziness that sort of got kicked off after John Carpenter's seminal Halloween from 1978. So, Let's go ahead and get into it. Introduce our guest today. He is a screenwriter and he wrote a little Halloween film you guys might remember called Freaky, which is out now on HBO Max. And he has another slasher in the works at Ace called Time Cut. He's a massive Halloween and slasher fan. Everyone, please welcome our certified fresh guest, Mr. Michael Kennedy. Hello, sir. Hey there. Thanks for having me. So glad to. I appreciate you being here, man. I really do feel we are in good Halloween hands. And oh, so, I hope so, yeah. So, have you had a chance to look at our ranking at Rotten Tomatoes? Because this is another one of our ranking episodes where we take the franchise, let the tomato meter decide the good, bad, and indifferent. How are you feeling about it? Are we right with this ranking? Are we wrong with this ranking? What are you thinking about it? 
pretty spot on, I would say, in a lot of ways. Um, it's maybe one or two that deserve to be a little bit higher, but they're pretty, they're pretty correct. And they're in pretty good order as far as worst to best. <laughs> I mean, the Mark uh, is actually going to break down for us the rankings and give us their order and attempt to maybe give us a bit of a synopsis. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, let's go ahead, Mark. If you can please give us uh, the various particulars of this slasher uh, classic and where Rotten Tomatoes ranked the various installments. And Jacqueline, before I even bring up the name of a certain holiday or the name of a certain shape or a fun mask or the name that is the initials JLC, I first have to give everybody here listening the definition of the term retcon. It means (laughs) retroactive continuity in a film. It's a piece of new information that opposes a different interpretation on previously described events typically used to facilitate a dramatic plot shift or account for an inconsistency. So now that we know that, Halloween kicked off in 1978, and it's all about Jamie Lee Curtis plays Laurie Strode, a babysitter, and she is being attacked and stalked and all sorts of terror infused from Michael Myers. Little Michael Myers, there's always just been something wrong with this kid ever since he murdered his much older sister. And then we find out in some iterations of Halloween canon that Laurie is actually the sister of Michael Myers. Other iterations have retconned that. But the bottom line is this. If you live in Haddonfield, Illinois, you might want to Airbnb on some tropical destination during Halloween because (laughs) bad things happen at the hands of Michael Myers, who hails from Haddonfield. And so where we are right now is Halloween Kills is now in theaters, and that's a sequel to to the 2018 film Halloween, which acts as a direct sequel to 1978's Halloween. Now, you may be saying, well, Barry, there's the curse and the revenge and all these other Halloween movies. All of those have been retconned. And so now we just go from Halloween 1978 to Halloween from 2018. But there are other Halloween movies that you can enjoy out there, such as Halloween 2 which came out in 1981. And then you have Halloween 3, which has nothing to do with any of them. That's Season of the Witch. Halloween 4 was the return of Michael Myers, and so on and so forth. And according to the tomato meter, it's still the OG that is the highest rated, and boy, is it certified fresh, 96%. That's far and away the lead. There's only one other Halloween movie that is on the fresh side of the tomato meter, and that would be you guessed it, 2018's Halloween at 79%. We currently, as of this recording, don't have data on Halloween Kills, but we do know that the next highest rated film is Rotten in the series, Halloween H20 from 1998, which was the return of Jamie Lee Curtis to the character of Laurie Strode, and that acts as a direct sequel to Halloween 2 from 1981. (laughs) Did I lose anybody yet? Halloween H20 is 52%, and from there we kind of get more and more rotten. Halloween 3, Season of the Witch is at 41%. Halloween 2 is 32%. Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers is 29%. Halloween, the Rob Zombie reboot from 2007 is at 28%. And then that sequels at 21%. Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers is 12%. Halloween Resurrection, 12%. And Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers, Starring Paul Rudd is at 9%. And so they were getting bad and worse and really bad there for a while. But I do sort of lean towards our beloved guest, Michael, here. I think a couple of those movies, Jacqueline, could stand to be a little higher up on the tomato meter. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know how I feel about this. I just need to take a minute to assess the fact that Two of my obsessions before the age of 20, Paul Rudd and Josh Hartnett, book in the bottom three, <laughs> basically, of uh, of Halloween movies. I'm very, like, I'm very upset about this. Is that right? No. Halloween H2O is higher. Never mind. Halloween H2O is mm-hmm. higher. So It almost Josh- gets to fresh. Should yeah. be higher. Yeah. Than it is. So Josh Hartnett had a good one. It's only Paul Rudd who, you know, any girl that watched Clueless was in love with Paul Rudd and probably (laughs) still is. Okay, I want to know about you, Michael. Okay, I know you I know you told us, you know, so far and different. But just real quick, what is the one glaring jumping out at you that needs to be higher besides, I guess, H2O? Is that the one you're saying? Uh, Well, there's, you know, the ones to me that need to be 
certified fresh, I'll say, are Halloween H2O. Wow. Um, I think, uh, did you say how or? No, I said, wow. I'm I'm digging this. I think it deserves, so that movie, I have friends that made 2018. I actually think H2O is the better of those two movies. Shade. Okay. And, and I wait, love wait. 2018 movie, but I think H2O is a better is the better version. Oh um, wow! Had H2O come out in this day and age, it would have been received better by critics and fans than it was in 1998. Um, I think she explores a lot of very similar themes in the 1998 movie. And the reason I actually think it's a better movie is they spend the entire movie on Laurie Strode as opposed to deviating from that character to random characters. That's um, I think the biggest problem with 2018 and I like the 2018 movie and I love Jamie Lee Curtis in it, and I love Judy Greer in it, especially, but there's too much time away from the Strode girls. Okay. In the film, and I love that in 1990, the 1998 H2O, it's all about Jamie Lee. Okay. Um, and I think that's why that movie stands out for me compar- and comparatively and deserves a higher rating. The other one that deserves a higher rating and has been a. Well, hold on, hold on. Okay. We're going to, okay. we're going to get deep into it, but I just wanted <laughs> to hear if there's any jumping out on it. Guys, I feel like I'm going to get a lot of Halloween education because little, little secret. <laughs> I didn't watch any scary movies before I started being sort of a professional critic. And we'll get into that later. But first, Producey Lucy, how you doing, ma'am? Where do you fall on Halloween? Where do you fall on scary movies? I, did not, have not, will not see any of these films because I'm too scared. I was talking to Michael <laughs> yesterday and I was like, no, I am. I'm a, I'm fascinated with like that kind of, you know, dark stuff and spooky stuff, especially during Halloween. But these movies really, especially um, scary movies that have a root in the 70s. There's something creepier about that kind of like 70s look and feel. So I mm. remember seeing footage of Halloween in the 1978 version and being like held to the no this is not happening because that kind of like the film look and the like bad hair and bad outfits to me actually makes it scarier but really quick i just realized because i know michael you love the new film I do it's tracking at 56 percent rotten it's not official yet but hmm. that to me based off kind of the chatter i've seen online that seems really low Breaking news. You That's know? what they get for debuting at Venice. Todd Phillips was <laughs> the one guy that shot the moon by sending a genre movie to a bougie film festival. And I feel <laughs> everybody else has been thirsting after that since then. <laughs> and it's silly. That movie did not need to start reviewing there. I predict it will get higher. That's my personal opinion. Michael, how do you feel? I think it'll get a little bit higher, too. I think it'll end up in the in the 60 percent range somewhere. Um I- I think it'll be below the last one, but I think it'll end up not certified fresh, but it'll end up fresh, right? There's a difference. Yes. Yeah. And I appreciate you for making that distinction. Mark, have you seen the new one yet? I have not had a chance to see the new one yet. I've been very busy cheering for my new favorite team, the Chicago Bears. And so I have not been able to do Halloween Kills just yet, but I am very excited about seeing it because we basically got left off of that trailer before the pandemic hit like right when the pandemic hit we saw that that just like 15 second clip of of laurie strode yelling at the firefight like don't go to that hat let him burn Mm -hmm. and then it's like oh we gotta wait so much longer to see this movie now so i'm just so excited to finally get it out there but i have good news for lucy because the movie i agree with michael first of all that h2o should be much much higher i think that is a fresh film bar none But I'm also going to support and say that Lucy's maybe her introduction, not into Michael Myers, but into the Halloween franchise, not current Halloween canon, is Halloween 3 Season of the Witch because it does play upon a lot more religious themes. There's a lot more, obviously, witch going on. There's a lot of things that are going on in that that... It's a, it's a fun horror movie as long as you don't walk in with the expectations that Michael Myers is going to show up eventually. And so I think there is a lot of redeeming value to Howling Three Season of the Witch around this holiday that we all celebrate by watching our favorite spooky films. So, like I said, it's currently rotten. It's 41 percent. And I think it can get higher. I, I think that movie deserves to be fresh. I just said it here. I agree. Wow. OK, I agree. That was the other movie I was going to mention that should be certified. <laughs> C- certified Fresh Season of the Witch. Okay, Season yeah. of the Witch is not one for me. I'm with you guys on H2O, and I have seen, 
I think I've seen two of the other installments, two or three. I think I've seen two or three of the other installments, but man, I'm ready to get into this. So let's go ahead before we do that. Um, so Mark Wrightish, Michael Wrightish, is that correct on Rotten Tomatoes on this one? Yeah. Okay. I'm saying no, no I'm, I'm saying that, that there's too many Halloween movies that are way too low on the tomato. Yeah, I guess not, I could agree with that too. There's yeah. some that deserve Wrong. to be fire, but not fresh. Yeah. Basically, the question is, Michael and Mark, we have the same feeling about it. Michael's just a much nicer human being than I am. <laughs> so he's going to lean towards, yeah, it's fine. And I'm going to be like, no, 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 no. Y'all got to get the score up to fresh. Okay, I will say for the films that I've seen, I am like, okay-ish. But I know that I need to see more of these. But honestly, there's too many hours in the day. And that's why we have... <laughs> This next person, our review curation manager, Tim Ryan, he's going to help fill in the gaps that I have forgotten with our favorite segment, Two Minutes with Tim. So, Brian, please cue the music. Two Minutes with Tim. When it comes to the Halloween franchise, there's a lot to cover. So we're going to focus on the peaks and valleys. For now, let's set aside Halloween Kills, the newest entry in the franchise. There have been 11 films leading up to it. Of those, only two are fresh. The original Halloween from 1978 is certified fresh at 96%, and Halloween from 2018 is certified fresh at 79%. The lowest reviewed films in the series are Halloween The Curse of Michael Myers from 1995, which is rotten at 9%, and tied at rotten at 12% are Halloween 5 The Revenge of Michael Myers from 1989 and Halloween Resurrection from 2002. And just as an aside... Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, the only film in the franchise not to feature Michael Myers, is rotten at 41%, although it does have something of a cult following. So it's safe to say that, by and large, the Halloween series has been more of a popular success than a critical one. But what did some of the critics have to say? In a fresh review for the original Halloween, Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times wrote, Halloween is an absolutely merciless thriller, a movie so violent and scary that, yes, I would compare it to Psycho. On the other hand, in a rotten review for Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers, James Berardinelli of Real Views wrote, Needless to say, the gore level is high and the scare level low, although not as low as the intelligence level. So anyway, Jacqueline? Mark? It's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good podcast. Back to you, folks. <laughs> hey! You know what? No matter what time of year is, Two Minutes with Tim gets me in the spirit. Can we just mm -hmm. go ahead and say that? Whatever that spirit has to be, he gets us there. Man, it's just crazy to think of how many of these they've made. It's just, it's kind of insane to think of how many of these have made, how many have been rotten, and yet we are still like coming back for those hits, those Halloween hits, man. That That is, that is the thing that still surprises me. And if they made 10 more, I'd still probably be into it. I don't know. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. I mean, look, you you have the simple formula that, that horror movies have thrived on since the, the beginning, since back when the Universal Monster movies were the biggest films at the box office, because you just have this singular evil we perceive character whether it's dracula or frankenstein the invisible man the wolf man or it becomes the more modern version of those which is michael myers and jason and freddy krueger doesn't matter how bad the movie is you put them on a poster people are going to get intrigued i think that's why season of the witch missed the mark but i also think that 
we could get a reboot of this in another 10 or 15 years and right. we'd line up in droves again because it's just such an iconic character. We don't want to say goodbye. Yeah. Reboot Mike. of the reboot of the reboot. Yeah. Reboot of the reboot of the reboot. <laughs> <laughs> and we can new, do another retcon and get into yeah. the multiverse. Okay. Yeah. Before we go any further down the deep end of the Halloween universe, uh, let's go ahead and get into sort of uh, talking about the various films, favorite moments, favorite characters. All right, Brian, let's go ahead and transition over to our movie talk section. So, like, if you're making the recipe of a Halloween movie... And you've made the recipe of a, of a couple of horror movies now. What do you think are the ingredients that go in there? Okay, so the biggest two or three are simplicity. Um, the Halloween movies that are the most effective are the ones with the simplest premise and setup. Um, mm. Halloween, Halloween H2O, Halloween 2018, Halloween Kills even. And I would even go as far as say Halloween 2 are all pretty sim- straightforward movies that focus on character. Um, which is why we love them and why they're effective. And the simplicity goes goes the same way with Michael. He's hmm. simple in these movies. He's, you know, these are the movies where he's essentially still pure evil. You know, even though Halloween 2 introduces a sibling angle, it's not till the very end. So it's essentially just some guy in a mask walking around terrorizing people in a town. And it's effective um, because you don't know anything about him. Hmm. And I think those are the scariest villains a lot of the time. So simplicity a strong, strong, strong adversary for the killer. Again, all those movies star Jamie Lee Curtis. Mm-hmm. So Laurie Strode, obviously icon. She's an icon, a character who is tough. Like she is always works. In fact, Halloween four is effective because even though it's a, gr- a little girl, it's a tough adversary, which is why that movie for me works and should be a little higher on the tomato meter. And I mean, those are really the two main ingredients you need for a really good Halloween movie. I mean, obviously, John Carpenter's score elevates it above most slasher movies to, just by existing. And yeah, yeah, those are really all you need to make a really good Halloween movie. Hey, <laughs> I really, yeah, I, I like dig the, the setting simplicity. Too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, it, it's, I mean, it's yeah. the real estate, it's location, location, location. And <laughs> these movies continue to get inside of our pathology because we all think we're secure. We want to feel like we're secure in our own homes. And when Laurie looks out the window in that first Halloween movie and just sees this creep standing there by the laundry, it's yeah. like, I don't feel safe <laughs> anymore. And that just, that. That, 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 that acts as a prelude from everything to, from Scream to where we get a phone call and the calls are coming from inside the house sort of mm-hmm. thing up to the strangers where again, we, we don't, we know nothing about the strangers. We just see their head pop in and we're like oh my god what the hell is that so you can make it dead serious like that you can have a wink and a nod with it with something like you're next but that is the 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 most chilling aspect of this to me is that this guy really wants to get in our house and we can't stop him yep true that true that um i'll also add in two that you have to have a certain level of sin and maybe this is the southern grew up uh, in a very (laughs) domineering Christian household, but a certain level of people doing bad things. Like it's the thing that Randy talks about in Scream, which is literally absolutely true. If you grew up in those type of households, you definitely understand kids drinking, kids having sex out late when they're not supposed to be. That sort of danger is all, that's already dangerous when you're of a certain age. And so when you add in the aspect of like, oh, making these dangerous decisions can get you killed. I mean, those were the, remember the prom night videos from like driver's ed? Like that's like literally <laughs> yes. like, like that's, a, that's a huge part of that. And the Halloween translates into that. Well, as Carpenter put it, cause he got accused in the early eighties of being uh, like the morality police, which is mm. funny. Cause like, if you know anything about John Carpenter, that's just <laughs> not who he is. Um, <laughs> dude loves nothing than a good beer, a good joint and like making music. That's fun. And he got accused of being the morality police because a lot of his characters and a lot of characters at the time, you know, Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street and all the big classics. He was accused of that because, you know, it is characters having sex and drinking and doing drugs that are dying. But as he put it, it's not the sin that's killing them. It's the distraction. So they're not mentally prepared or focused on anything else outside of their being because they're distracted by the revelry. Mm. Uh, Whereas Lori, 
is in tune with everything going around her because she has nothing to distract her. So I always thought that was really interesting because the genre, Randy even says it in Scream, it's the sin factor, kind of ran with the idea of it being a sin. And John Carpenter's like, dude, they were teenagers. They were just fucking. You know? <laughs> See, he didn't that? grow like, up in. Yeah, uh, no, g- yeah. yeah, absolutely. He didn't you grow know? up in the South, though. Like, literally, like the, there was just like, I don't know. I think like I think Lucy's giving me the thumbs up on this one because I think Lucy grew up <laughs> also with similar things. But like if you grew up in uber religious things, they made you think that they're like, you're yeah. going to end up murdered and stabbed the minute you let a guy go to third base. Let's go back to the OG because there's a lot to sort of dissect with that. It was so seminal. It was such like this watershed moment with horror that like it's been imitated now to nauseam. And the only horror movies I think that are successful are ones that sort of subvert that. But it's got so many great moments. Uh, Michael, I'll start with you. What is your favorite moment from the OG uh, Halloween films? a really good question. I mean, the whole movie is just so perfect. Mm-hmm. But I think for me, it's that just the, it, the original really set the standard for like a good chase scene. And the whole climax is literally just like a 20 minute long chase scene. And it's so thrilling and scary. And I think it was Lucy who brought up something about like 70s movies just have a different feel. And there's something about the movie. I think it was maybe because it was low budget or because the characters and the actors were so new and fresh that really feels like you're immersed in the experience. And the way Jamie Lee Curtis screams, help me Mm -hmm. after knocking on the next door neighbor's door and they like open their blinds and then take a look at her and are like, nope. And like, just shut the blinds on her. Mm -hmm. The way she just like, terrifyingly terrifyingly screams help me as she's hopping off that porch and started to run back across the street is just like it's it's scarier than anything else in the movie and he's not even in the shot Yeah. And I think for me, it's like you really feel her fear in that moment. Yeah, uh, and I, I love that that creepy opening of the movie where it's it's the pioneering work with the Panavision camera where uh, you get that first-person sense and you feel like, it, as an audience, we're unwillingly being thrust into, wait, are we the villain now in the movie we're watching? So because cool. it just, it's got that, it, it's not shaky cam, it's not... It's not a born identity movie, and but but it's not that set shot either. It's just a hybrid of where we feel movement and we feel a sense of kinetic energy creeping up towards a house, and just the way the camera is moving ever so slightly. It feels unnatural and it feels like something bad is on the other side of this camera. And it turns out to be a a young Michael Myers. And it just it's such a great tone setter for the movie we have. And the best part about it is that that movie was made for what I think at the time, maybe three hundred thousand dollars. That might be that that might be generous with the budget. And (laughs) so you had to be very resourceful. And that's a great indication that we can be resourceful with shots like this and still be effective. Yeah, the camera work in the first movie is Mm. what what brings the audience in so much. And it's so funny. I I look at a movie like um, It Follows, um, Mm -hmm. uses so much of the camera work from Halloween, that stalking element. That's almost the entire premise of the film using that. It's hard to pick a favorite moment in this one because they all kind of string together. But all I can picture is Jamie Lee Curtis's nonverbal acting in that movie is kind of just jaw dropping when you think about it, because so much of it plays on her face. And the shot I'm thinking of is the one you I think it even plays in Scream. It's the one of her like walking in the door and she just pushes it open with this like what's going on type type mm-hmm. wonderment and i think that's where she sees one of the first bodies um uh i want to say it, i just i picture her walking in and it's the moment when she realizes oh this is the i'm in a horror movie moment yeah when annie's and, on the bed yes that's exactly right thank you yes. very much um that moment is incredible because 
the audience knows she's in a horror movie, but that is the first time she realizes it. And then everything just goes down from there. It's sort of like um, the last calm before the storm. I mm. love those parts of horror movies. It really, um, it's really interesting to see what she does in that because it's literally just the score, the camera and her face. That makes that whole scene. And that score does it does the opening credits such a great service because there, there's a few types of different opening credits you get in a movie where you can have. I love the movies that don't even have opening credits. They just but like the ultimate example, Star Wars, where it's like we're not going to mm. waste time and let the audience get distracted. Here's the giantest letters you've ever seen with the most soaring bombastic score in outer space. You're locked <laughs> into the movie. But then yeah. you have other you have other movies where they literally treat the opening credits, which is fine, where it's like okay, the audience is still coming into the theater. We're going to let everybody just kind of relax. And, and get adjusted to their seats, make sure there's nothing sticky on the floor. But Halloween, it's just a pumpkin. But but you, the score is just so unnerving that you're kind of just waiting to see what the next thing on screen is. And I love when a the score of a movie or the opening credits can just completely shut us up and get us locked into the tone of the movie. What a great way to set the pace for things to come. Well, and the original yeah. does that without showing a single frame of the movie. Yeah, like, this is very true. Literally, it sets a tone and you haven't seen anybody. You just say a glowing, smiling pumpkin. And somehow they managed to make that smiling pumpkin seem creepy with just a simple score. Yeah. And it's amazing. And it's like now it's what you expect from every Halloween movie. And it it showed the beauty of scoring in in horror movies, which is something that was always there, especially in the old monster movie series, like going back to Dracula. And, you know, even the very first jump scare came from a musical cue, because I think it's in um, The Phantom of the Opera. Uh, He's playing the piano, she removes the mask, and then that's like literally the first jump scare ever recorded on in cinema. And it's from scoring, because he's playing and it's like, stop! And and then it just adds it to it. And I think uh, one of the things that Halloween really understood is how music couldn't just heighten, but how music could be part and integral to the scares itself, which, yeah, again, now well, it tells it's, the music yeah. in that movie tells its own story as well. Yeah. Like people underestimate sometimes how good a good score really affects, makes a good movie great. I love it when you can hear alternate takes of scores. Um, there's only one I can think of off the top of my head is not a horror movie, but Legend, the Ridley Scott 1985 one has two scores to it. They are two separate movies. Oh, no kidding. Without, yeah, one was done by Jerry Goldsmith, which is the one that ended up being in the theatrical cup. And the other one is done by Tangerine Dream, which Ooh. is the one that ended up being in the VHS. I think Ridley likes Jerry Goldsmith, but the one you probably saw was Tangerine Dream. Literally almost two different movies. One yeah. makes it a horror movie. The other one makes it like a fantasy epic. It's yeah, it's it's crazy. Let's move on to the to the better like like looking at the franchise as a whole. We kind of touched on a lot of the big ones. We touched on H two O season of the witch. Um, haven't necessarily talked a lot about the curse of Mike Myers, but even it had its moments. Um, what what are your favorite <laughs> moments kills overall from the franchise? Michael, go ahead. God, there's so many. Okay, I will talk about Halloween 6 in the sense that it's got a really good atmosphere. I think it's got one of the better Halloween atmospheres in the entire franchise. So I think that deserves to give it a couple few points higher. In fact, it's not the worst movie in the the franchise per Rotten Tomatoes. That's actually the way Rotten Tomatoes rates it. It's Halloween Resurrections terrible. Mm-hmm. But best kills, there's some really great kills in Halloween Kills mm-hmm. um, that are some of the top for me. Um I think one of my favorite suspense sequences that leads to a kill is the hand in the garbage disposal in Halloween H2O. I think that's a really cool moment. I think the hot tub death in Halloween 2 is pretty rad. Girl, Cops do it by the book, getting it with the gun. Mm-hmm. Kelly Meeker stuck into a wall is a pretty gruesome kill. Uh, the thing about the Halloween franchise, though, is Michael isn't Jason. You know, yes. he doesn't do a lot of different type of stuff. Um, the thing I love about Michael is, especially in the original, and I feel like Halloween Kills is the first movie since the original that kind of does this, is he's almost like a little kid playing with a toy. Hmm. And I love that he's a jokester in Halloween, and then they kind of bring that back in Halloween Kills. And those are my favorite sequences of the movie, not so much any of the kills. But like the Bob kill, that's a terrifying kill, and it's so simple. Hmm. And for me, that's where the movies excel is like the suspense is more integral to me than any of the deaths. But Halloween Resurrection has a really funny death where the girl gets decapitated with a kitchen knife. 
Yeah. Like, that would never happen. You know yeah. what I mean? So like, that's pretty yeah. memorable because it's so stupid. Halloween uh, Resurrection is it, it, that's the movie that immediately followed Halloween H2O, which was the glorious return of Jamie Lee Curtis. And yes. then Jamie Lee Curtis is like, hey, I just did this movie. I'm not going to do this next, but you got to kill me off in the opening scene. <laughs> so yeah. kind of lets us know the rest of that movie. We kind of figure out why Jamie Lee Curtis was like, I don't feel like being Ugh. involved in this. But yeah. another movie that, that is maligned that I feel like has its merits, especially for the time that it came out is Rob Zombie's Halloween, just because when that movie came out in 2007, I don't know that there was somewhere else that you could have gone because we we weren't in this nostalgic phase just yet. We or nostalgia, as our friend Corey Jandra calls it. We, we weren't there yet where you start to want to have a retread of what we've seen 15 or 20 years ago. And so Rob Zombie tried to make a different type of film where it got really deep into Michael Myers' background and sorts of, it's not as an apology for the way he is, but it is an explanation for why he became who he became. But there's just a heartbreaking kill in there because we all love everyone's favorite badass, Danny Trejo. And yep. he just, it, it, he eats it at the hands of Michael Myers. And if you wanted to know, look, is Michael Myers ever going to be confused with a world-class sprinter? No. Is he going to be a world, is he going to be the best athlete? No. He's not that quick, but he got Danny Trejo so he could get any one of us. Yeah. <laughs> also, the one thing I will say Halloween has done, mostly because of the first one and how seminal it is and how many people love it, is it was able to to give us a lot of interesting debuts, but even more so just weird. Buster Rhymes and Halloween <laughs> Resurrection. Like, real talk. We got Buster Bus just like doing his thing and literally doing the most cliche brother in a horror movie. I'm going to give you the quote for the trailer stuff, <laughs> but it's fun. And honestly, as someone who had his photo um, on my refrigerator uh, all the way through mm, probably my second to last apartment, uh, we have Josh Hartnett because of Halloween H2O. That was his debut film. Um, and I feel like I'm a happier person because that is where he came to us. And, I think and you could go back to the world of hip hop with Halloween H2O because LL Cool J just yes. breaking every trope about minorities in horror movies up to that point where yeah. I thought LL Cool J ate it twice in that movie and he ends up pulling through and he's such a fun character. He, he's trying to write his, he's trying to write a series of novels that Jacqueline Coley would love. The, the Jacqueline, <laughs> he, the, these, his trashy romance pulp stuff that Jacqueline I know reads. I know yeah. in between her true crime podcast, that's what she's doing to get her she mind off of work. She knows me so well. My, like, <laughs> look, if I ever leave this, I'm going to be Stacey Abrams. I'm going to come up with a really like funny <laughs> pseudonym to write under like Penelope comes well and it's going to be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> the thing I love about H2O with LL Cool J is his sparring partner is a person off screen the whole movie and she's memorable. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. His wife is really solid in voice work and I think yeah. her relationship is really cute and funny. Yeah, I really like H2O. I think people unfairly at the time were I think if that came out today, it would be assessed differently. People at that time were saying it was a Scream clone. And of course, it was the 90s. Everyone was cloning Scream. Of course, yeah. Halloween H2O cloned Scream. And also, Kevin Williamson was involved. He is yeah. Scream. Yeah. Like, let's, let's, let's talk honestly about the movie. The characters, that's one of the few Halloween movies. And let's be real. When you watch all the 12 Halloween movies in a row, mm -hmm. you realize there's a lot more misses than hits in this yeah. series. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like, Friday the 13th, I think, even though it's, the best Friday the 13th movie is nowhere near the best Halloween movie. True that. Friday the 13th movies have a nice consistency, at least through like the first seven or eight, where you know what you're going to get and you have a good time. That's fair. Um, the thing that stands out for Halloween H2O is every character is good. You care about the characters and you care about them. And that was something that was happening in the 90s that the 90s didn't get enough credit for at the time with the slasher movie is that they were really trying to bring you an era of slasher movies where okay, we're in an era where now we're going to not watch these for the killer. We want to watch these for the people. And I thought Halloween H2O did a really good job of that. And Laurie Strode as Jamie Lee Curtis in that movie, coming back to the franchise, has more on her plate because now we see what 20 years of this fear of living with this, of trying to relocate and, and facing alcoholism now, just trying to get through your day and more importantly, your night, living with this thing 
thing that is you always feel like is in the backseat of your car. But she also takes on the role somewhat of a Loomis played by Donald Pleasance in, in the original because now it's her sort of job to have to download this information onto other people's more impressionable minds. Like, hey, this is not just some weirdo that you have to be worried about. This is the ultimate evil in the universe. But I will give a shout out to Donald Pleasance too from the original Halloween and from Halloween and pops up again sporadically throughout the, the canon. He is so good as that character that we always need in a horror movie where it's sometimes <laughs> the priest in a possession movie or they the uh, or a nun that shows up and just gives us a rational explanation for why things are going on mm. and we feel like as long as that character is with us we can get through this because they're going to use sound logic and reasoning in order to trap this menace. So Donald Pleasant's just knocking that role out of the park as well. 100 yeah, I was also going to say, too, um, with what's interesting is we've talked about when Halloween went CW through the Kevin Williamson and H2O, uh, when Halloween goes, you know, basically trying to rip off Friday the 13th and gets very gory and gets very, um, very sort of Texas Chainsaw Massacre Friday the 13th with it. Um, Rob Zombie, his run is just so singular. It was it's it has its fans. I feel like it's it's weird almost when I look back on it, what that section was. Michael, I'm curious your thoughts on the Rob Zombie era of the Halloween films. I uh, it's interesting because, you know, Mark made a really good point earlier about how like we were pre nostalgia. Like you think back, like you go Halloween 2018 when that trailer came out and they announced the movie and you, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis come back. You're like, duh, why? You know, this is such a simple concept. Of course they're doing this. This makes so much sense. And it's, you know, you realize too, like, weirdly enough, my fiance, Brian, and I have been watching all the Universal Monster movies mm. this month. We started at the beginning and we're watching all the way through to the end. You know, people are like, Hollywood's running out of ideas and they're retconning and all this. They were doing that shit in 1940. Thank <laughs> they you. were doing it with all these movies and it's just a way to freshen up franchises and stuff. But it's weird because until... Halloween did it and Star Wars did it. It was like, and Jurassic Park did it and all that stuff. You, It was like, why wasn't anyone doing this in the 2000s? You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, granted, they did it in Halloween H2O. But Rob Zombie's movies come out in a really weird era of horror where it's like post 9-11, casual homophobia, casual bigotry just running rampant in film and in the country. And so it like kind of came in a weird, dirty era of horror. Mm. So like they make sense for the time. Like even, you know, I love the Texas Chainsaw remake, mm. but I think that set a standard for the horror movie of the time, especially the slasher, which was grimy and yellow and dirty and grungy and characters that were foul. And who better to do that than Rob Zombie? Honestly, real talk. Real talk. Yeah. <laughs> He's and living like in his really wheelhouse. Drawn out violence and gore too. To the, to, I mean, I, I think that this is the era where we might have put the term torture porn into into the lexicon permanently and sealed it, just because some of those yeah. kills just go on and on. I mean, you're yeah, like, yeah. okay, I get it. Octavia Spencer's dead. Can you leave her <laughs> alone? Come on. Poor Octavia. Yeah, yeah. And, and I will admit, Jack, and I, I am somewhat of an apologist for the, it, not necessarily for Rob Zombie's sequel, but for the original, simply because I am such a Rob Zombie fan from his musical abilities that I, I love, especially his solo stuff, but the stuff with White Zombie back in the 90s too. I just think it's just, it's such great metal that I wanted it to be good. And the fact that he went somewhere else with it, mm. I think again, was sort of necessary at the time because when we have these reboots, we either had them because we let a number of years go by or it's because we had so many misfires in a row that we had no choice but to blow it up. And even if it's not ever meaning to be consistent, look at where we were with Batman in 1997 versus Girl. where we were with Batman once Batman Begins came out in 2005. And then look at where we are now. <laughs> <laughs> where do yeah. you go from Halloween Resurrection? Like. Mm -hmm. The whole bloodline thing that they established in Halloween 2 is out the window. He's just yeah. killing a bunch of random people. So it's like, well, now it's just a Jason movie, you know? So it's like, where do you go from that? And I think had the reboot craze not started, they might have gone down that road. I don't know if you've read this book called Taking Shape, which actually talks about all the, uh, uh, there's two books. There's a original book and then there's a sequel book. And it talks about 
they essentially talk about all the different incarnations of Halloween that could have happened. Mm-hmm. Post-resurrection, they were back to what Halloween H2O helped avoid. They were post-resurrection, they were starting to think about a direct-to-video sequel until the remake craze happened. So now they, of course, were able to remake the movie. But there was going to be a remake at some time, whether people liked it or not. And Rob Zombie, at least, the thing that he did, and I'm not a huge fan of either movie, but I appreciate, especially with Halloween, his Halloween 2, is that he really did make his own movie. True that. He was doing something that all the other remakes weren't doing, is he was following no blueprint. <laughs> He's following his own, beating to yeah. his own twisted little drum and i actually respect him for it yeah i've always been curious to see halloween 2 especially what would have happened had that didn't have the name halloween in it and it didn't have a character named laurie and her name was like jane and some shit and like how that would have been embraced by fans of horror had it not been called halloween Hmm. um because he has an interesting the, the, the he has an interesting POV, that's for freaking sure. And the dude can shoot a movie. His movies look good. Yeah. I think they get unfairly treated because they have the name Halloween in front of them. But also, if you're going to make a movie called Halloween, don't you have to stick to the ingredients in a way? So it's it's like... Or subvert them in a way that's smart. It depends. Yeah. It depends. Yeah. Um, before we get out of here, Michael, what is the scariest moment or what, what about the franchises scare you the most? Like what element of it really terrifies you? Is it the chase? Uh, is it- the, the most effective, Michael in the shadows, the shape. You know, mm. when John Carpenter refers to him as the shape and when he's the shape, that's when he's the scariest. Like there's the best sequences in the entire series. And David Gordon Green does this a few times too uh, in 2018 and in the, new newest one kills is using shadow and light to their advantage. Mm. Um, there's that sequence. You talked about it already where she finds her friends and that's terrifying, right? There's no dialogue. It's just her reacting and that's fucking scary. But then the very next thing that happens is she puts herself in a corner where she thinks she's safe, but that <laughs> open door is next to her and it's complete pitch black and then his mask just slowly moves into frame. That's terrifying because that is literally just saying you're not safe anywhere. Like you're not, you think you're alone, but you're not alone. Someone's watching you. Someone's always on your ass. And there's some moments in Halloween kills where he does that. And I'm just like, those always get me. Always. Get me. So in Halloween kills is the first Halloween movie I've been scared in since the original. Wow. wow. Yeah. That's a, yeah. saying something. We're going to yeah. get into Halloween Kills, but before I do that, Mark, real quick, what about you? What about what element of the franchise, what element of the films really scares you the most? The fact that someone had to teach Michael Myers how to drive an automobile scares <laughs> the crap out of me. The fact that he somehow managed to take a driver's ed course. Because as scary as Michael is in Haddonfield, Illinois, Haddonfield, if you don't want to deal with Michael Myers, maybe just move away from Haddonfield. <laughs> of course, that, that didn't work if your name's Laurie Strode because she moved all the way to California. And Michael, again, somehow road tripped and stopped at a bunch of gas stations and was just high on Mountain Dew by the time he got to California. So the fact that Michael Myers can get behind the wheel of a car... That is what is terrifying to me. And then also that whole we can lock him up, but is he ever really locked up thing? Like if yeah. you, if somebody gets accused of a crime, they're, they're stalking me, but I find out that they get locked up. I'm like, okay, good. I trust the prison system. Not necessarily to rehabilitate this person, but at least I know that I'm good for the next 15 to 20 years. You never feel that way with my, he can get out of jail anytime he wakes up and just has a bad morning. He can get out of prison. That is <laughs> horrifying. Yeah, I, I think the fact that, well, based on the fact of how much people love the franchise, he's always coming back. And he's coming back yet again. So let's go ahead in our next section, which is normally behind the scenes. Let's go ahead and talk about the latest installment, which is in theaters now. Uh, Brian, cue the music. So, Michael, you've seen it, but we're going to, you know, assume that most of our audience hasn't seen it okay. yet. Um what 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 were your expectations going into Halloween Kills? Because you know people, I guess, involved in the making of it. Like, how did they how did they set you up to see it? When did you see it? I went to the Beyond Fest screening of it. Okay. Um, so it had its U.S. premiere at Beyond Fest. 
and they didn't they didn't you know prep me a lot. I uh, they m- one of my friends Ryan Turk. He's he's like oversees these movies. Oh yeah, and, yeah, yeah. He um he's he keeps shit close, man. He, <laughs> knows, he doesn't reveal anything, and it's I kind of appreciate him. I mean, I do appreciate him for that because I still get to go in completely clean. And Honestly, you talk about a guy who loves horror movies inside and out. That is that is Ryan Turek to a T. He loves this stuff. And yes, and Ryan, I know I said Halloween H2O is better, but I still love both <laughs> movies, so don't get mad at me. Um, and it's not better. I think it just explores different things in a way that I appreciate. So that's a good way to put it. Okay. But Halloween Kills... My expectations were low, to be quite honest with you, because I thought, how do you follow up the last movie, Mm. which I thought was such a solid, especially that third act. That third act is probably my favorite act in the entire series. Um, Mm. Right up there. Mm. Um, That whole sequence with Lori, her daughter, and her granddaughter just trapping Michael is, is fucking epic. It's so good. And it ends on such a high note. It ends an emotional note for me. I'm a huge fan of these movies and I'm really, cl- I feel really a good connection with Laurie Strode. So I actually teared up knowing her trauma was over after 40 years. And then of course they announced a sequel and I'm like, God damn it. You know, like, <laughs> of course I'm going to, of course I want a sequel. I don't want these movies to ever end. I want to be 90 years old and going to the theater, theater to see, you know, 120 year old Michael killing people. But <laughs> part of me was like, not upset, but I was like, I don't want her to die. So I don't want more movies to be made because someone's eventually going to come along and think they need to kill her mm-hmm. in order to close the chapter on her like they did in Halloween Resurrection. Um, so that's my expectations were low because I'm like, how do you follow up this movie? Like, how yeah. do you follow up this movie that feels relevant and necessary? So my expectations were kind of like, oh, it's Michael killing people. I'm going to have fun. And not to give anything away, but that's essentially the movie. But for some reason, I don't know if it was Beyond Fest. I don't know if it was the fact that it was 500 people for the first time in the theater since the beginning of the pandemic for me. Mm. I don't know if it's the fact that Jamie Lee Curtis introduced the goddamn movie. Surprisingly, no one knew she was showing up. Or that I was literally sitting right next to Ryan Turk during the movie. I don't know what it was, but (laughs) I fucking loved every second of the movie. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. I I had an emotional reaction to being in a theater for the first time in two years, to be quite frank. I have been in theater since the pandemic started, but it was crowds of 10 people or my fiance and I would, you know, AMC at one point was letting you rent a screen for a hundred bucks. Yeah. So we would do that. I did that too for uh, Godzilla Kong. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. I haven't had this experience. So like, you know, people might make fun of me for that, but I teared up when the movie started because I was so happy to be back in church. I was so happy to be back in my Christian home, like fuck religion, but I was in church and I was so thrilled to be back. So I was all in, I was all in from the beginning. The theme kicked in, the story kicked in and I was all, I was in, I was, I loved every second of it. I don't know. And yeah, the other person that's really feeling that same way about the pandemic and, and things starting to open back up again is Michael Myers because he's obeyed the mandates. He's worn a mask the entire <laughs> pandemic. Still wearing and, a mask. Yep. Yeah. See, and, th- and and he is so thrilled that everybody's back out there doing their things, living their lives so he can murder them joyously. And that's really what my, my expectations for Halloween Kills, having not seen it, is I, I think that we always make a, a bad decision when we're talking to about the sequel of a movie and whether it's going to be darker, if the ending's going to be a little gloomier, and we say this is going to be the Empire Strikes Back of this franchise. To me, that's like saying, hey, this quarterback, he could be the next Tom Brady. Nobody's ever going to be the next Tom Brady. Stop saying it's going to be the next <laughs> Godfather 2 or the next Empire Strikes Back. But I feel like what Halloween Kills is and what my hope is, is that it is a nice setup because we clearly knew going into this, I think it was announced as far back as when Halloween from 2018 was announced that it's going to be Halloween, Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends is going to is going to bookend us. And so I'm just expecting a really fun horror movie that has a lot of those cool terrors and chill moments. But I also want to see how we set up for Halloween. I want to walk out of this theater and say, damn it, I want to get right back in there and just run Halloween ends right now. Exactly how I felt leaving the theater. My biggest fear for it was like, well, I know there's a third movie. So like this is just going to be filler. And it didn't feel like filler. Good. Uh, You know, that's how it felt for me. And I, I guess I'm like the 
problem with IP today because I say I'm like enough with the IP, but then I'm like, oh, you're bringing back characters from 40 years ago. I'm in, you know, and I'm <laughs> just watching those characters roam around was really exciting for me. But this is another reason I liked it better than 2018. So we do have those moments. This is not a spoiler, but we do have the moments in 2018 again, where we're away from the Strode women. Mm. But this time you're not with two cops sitting in a car talking about sandwiches. <laughs> okay. This time you're with Tommy Doyle or you're with Lindsay Wallace or you're with Marion Chambers. So you're with people you're comfortable with already that are adding to the nostalgia while also going, oh, what's Tommy doing 40 years later? So gotcha. you're with characters you want to spend time with as opposed to some shitty high school kid that's like essentially throwing himself on the main the main female character. Dude, honestly, that, yeah. I, that was the one part of it. I was like, who are these people? They're such red shirts. I don't need you. But... <laughs> You need them so that way, you know, the main people you care about can live and we can continue with the franchise and so on and so forth. Um, So let's go ahead and open the mailbag. Brian, cue the music. All right, kids, here we go. We have Frank Huff, ketchup crew member, loyal ketchup crew member, he said. Uh, His subject of his email is, you literally made my life better. Oh, wow. That's a high bar, Frank. Let's see if we can do it. Uh, Frank says, I've been a loyal listener since day one. I listen to RT is Wrong every week while delivering mail. Your Sopranos episode literally changed my life for the better. I have never watched a single episode of the show. However, the Sopranos have been a part of the pop culture, so I knew the general idea. I've never been a big mafia slash gangster fan, but I had watched the movies like Godfather 1 and 2. But after listening to your take on the Sopranos, I I fired up HBO Match. HBO Max and binged season one in three days. I'm hooked. Thank you. Now, he says, by the way, uh, Frank, I just want to let you know you're in for a treat, sir, is one of the few shows that stays good all the way to the end. This is not a Dexter situation, sir. You are in it to win it. So enjoy (laughs) that. But now he says, now a bit of RT is wrong business. With Christmas in a few months away, um, if with Christmas just a few months away, can you explain to me how The Christmas classic Jingle All the Way was only 17. Sid Ban and Arnold are so good at playing off each other. And the late, great Phil Hartman was also perfectly cast. Thank you again, your loyal listener, Frank from Ohio. Frank, well, you just made my day significantly better. I love that we bring joy to people. And Jingle All the Way, Mark, thoughts? I know you're a Phil Hartman fan. I love Phil Hartman. Sinbad is one of the more underrated comics of the last 50 years. And Arnold Schwarzenegger is Arnold Schwarzenegger. So you want to see an even younger version of Anakin Skywalker. You want the Christmas feels. And this is Frank who's delivering, who's doing the Lord's work delivering mail in Ohio. He's probably delivering mail right now to Michael's family and friends from back home as we speak. He's bringing them letters, and Frank's not throwing you junk mail, folks. Frank's getting rid of all those coupons you don't. He is just giving you the letters that you need. He's not even giving you bills. Your student loans, (laughs) don't worry. Frank's going to lose them in the mail for you. He's that sweetheart of a guy. I love it. Also, because he's in Ohio, he literally does have to do the the postmaster sort of like... uh, motto of through rain, sleet, and snow. Because the the, the mail carriers in California aren't dealing with half of that. <laughs> I mean, they really are just delivering mail in sunshine and 76 degrees. Frank, thank you for this. Um, Michael, do you have thoughts on Jingle All The Way? I'm just curious. It's, it's, it's not your holiday, since you're more of a scary movie October type of guy, but I'm curious. I've honestly never seen it. <laughs> That's fitting. The guy has probably seen literally the most everything on the Shutter app has to offer, but Jingle All the Way <laughs> didn't 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 mark his radar. And I actually like that. It's very on brand. Stay your lovely self, sir. <laughs> uh, also, thank you for joining us, Michael. This was such so fun. fun and like educational. I really do love it when we have people on here who are really so well versed in what they came on to talk about, especially an episode like this. We have to cover so much. But um, before you get out of here, let folks know what you're working on, what they can be on the lookout for next. And because you are an aficionado of film and television, mostly on the scary side, please give us a movie recommendation. Okay, so uh, my movie Time Cut is in post right now and it should be, it should, it, it should come out next year. 
it'll come out next year. We don't know where yet. Um, we don't know where it's going to land, whether it's a studio or a, a theatrical release or with a streamer. Um, the producer shot it himself, essentially. Um, oh, wow. So he gets to shop that puppy around and uh, give it to the highest bidder, essentially. So uh, but that should be out sometime next year. And then I am in pre-production. All I can say uh, is on a Christmas slasher that I wrote and I'm executive producing with um, one of the producers of Freaky. Oh, I like that. Yeah, it's another high concept slasher. People, when Time Cut got announced, people are like, is this all this guy can do? Wait till they hear about this next one. Yeah. <laughs> really gonna say that's all I can do. And then, uh, cause it's another mashup. Love that. And, yeah, and then, you know, um, so that is honestly hoping to be out next year as well. If mm-hmm. all things go to plan, that should be out next Christmas. Um, theatrically and streaming is what it's looking like for that movie. And then a recommendation. Oh, boy. It's always so hard because there's so many good things to watch. But around this time of year. Okay. So my recommendation is for this time of year is watch the original House on Haunted Hill. Oh, yeah. I, Great one think people get into the Halloween movies or the slasher movies, but I'm going to recommend the original house on haunted Hill because Vincent price is just so gay in the movie (laughs) and so sexy and just so vicious and weird. The movie's so bizarre. It really is such a weird movie and it's so fun. So that's going to be my rack. I actually shutter just shutter has been airing it a lot on their live feed. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so I've actually watched it quite a bit. It's become kind of a nappy time movie that I've been putting on. Nice. Um, so I think that's a good comfort watch. And if you haven't seen it, it's really good. If you're kind of a scaredy cat like Lucy, I think it's good old school gateway horror. Hey, get them in early. Get them yeah. addicted. The first hit is free. Yeah. Get it, Lucy. <laughs> 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 Lucy looks um, very reluctant right now. If, she's nodding her head like somebody who's being told, mm-hmm, no. She's like, I'm having a good time. I don't want this show to ever end. This is so good. You know what Lucy could watch, too, is going back to the Universal movies. Lucy, you should check out Abbott and Costello Meet the Wolfman because yeah. that is the first. Look, the MCU is adorable, everyone. That's the first real, true shared universe in Hollywood history because you get the Monster Squad 50 years before the Monster Squad movie comes out and it's Abbott and Costello in their absolute prime and then the it's not just Wolfman Dracula shows up Mummy, mummy show, everybody mummy. shows up it's great go back yeah, and watch what, when people are like what's with all the universes it's like girl they were around in 1940 I mean the Wolfman was history. meeting Frankenstein in the woods yep <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, there's a video. I always bring this up when we talk about old school. There's a video on Rotten Tomatoes. It's about what scares you now and what used to scare you. And we definitely start with the monster movies and how that was the original MCU, the monster cinematic House universe. House of Frankenstein, House yeah. of Dracula. There's Absolutely. Like, mm-hmm. You know, they were doing ballroom. <laughs> and sequels, sequels and continuation. Frankenstein, yeah. Bride of Frankenstein. Look, Halloween, like uh, Hollywood knew back then. Once you got a yeah. good thing, keep on Riding that train to the box office, yeah. Ride of Frankenstein is the earliest example where the sequel is better than the original. Very true. Was that James Whale, right? Yeah, he did both. And And one of these days we will talk about all the queer subversion that's in horror because so many of the early, so many of the early uh, (laughs) horror directors were queers the day is long, but people didn't know it. In 1930 when he was making Frankenstein was out to the industry. Oh, yeah, that's right, because he did, uh, there's a movie about that, Gods and Monsters with Brendan Fraser. Yeah. 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 All right. Before we get any more nerdy, let's go (laughs) ahead and get out of here. Thank you again, Michael. It was Thank you. It was a a lot of fun. It was a huge pleasure. For folks, wherever you're watching, listening to us, please, please, please rate, subscribe, tell your friends. That way you can become a member of our catch-up crew. We literally do this for you. It is my favorite part of the week because we get to come and sort of have a fun time talking about what movies my job got wrong. That's it for this week's episode. Mark, let the folks know, what do we have in store next week? It's a surprise, but we do know that the guest is also going to be a surprise, but it is a very well-known character actor that you've seen in just about everything. And we've been very excited to have 
this person come on for a minute now and the fact that it's finally happening y'all get to hear it next week it it is not one to be missed this is going to be a treat i'm excited for this also i'm very excited it's not gonna be a treat treat. i really do love that we're getting people who've actually made things it's so great i I do (laughs) love it like i love all of our certified fresh guests i really do but when you can talk to someone who actually had to make a movie and they're just like that's bs i feel like it's it's more true it's yep. more, it feels more real. Um, anyway, again, thank you all. A big thanks to Producey Lucy, Tim Ryan, Brian Paris, and of course, our guest this week, Mr. Michael Kennedy, and my partner in crime, although apparently not during Sunday football, Mr. Mark Ellis. We never thank text you. anyway. That's our rule. We don't curse yes, each other's we teams. don't text. We don't text on Sunday. Anyway, <laughs> thank you all for listening, and we'll see you all next time. Bye. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.